Good morning, brothers and sisters. I know the sound isn't the best. I apologize for that. Um, I know the background is not the best as well, but I had to actually, because of the diagnosis for my daughter having COVID, we are on lockdown as our family, or quarantine for our family. And so we're on lockdown for seven days. And so I'm coming to you from my home and to be able to share the word with you. Thank you so much for your support, for your prayers, for her and for us. I praise God that the rest of the family were all diagnosed as negative at the moment and prayerfully we'll be able to continue that. Faith is on the men. She's doing very well. If anything, she's getting a bit sort of itchy being quarantined in her room over the past few days. So she's keen to actually get out and about as well. But we are very thankful for all your support, for your offers of help, for your words of encouragement, which has been a great blessing to us. So thank you very much. Big thank you to Martin Fong last week sharing the word with us. It was a great blessing. So thank you very much for that, Martin. Now, if you recall, a couple of weeks ago, I shared the word with you as we entered into the new year. It was, uh, I guess you could say it's a bit of an extended version. It was pretty long, and I know that today is not going to be as long, but it was the comparison between Israel as they came to the end of their 40-year wandering in the wilderness and about to enter into the promised land and I made that comparison between them and us as we enter into the new year that as we stand on the beginning of 2022 as we look at what faces us that we have been in this Arabah the state of spiritual dryness for the last couple of years with the pandemic and with various things that have gone on in our own lives that it's been enough we're We've had enough of going through emotions. We've had enough of just doing what needs to be done for the sake of having it done. There's been a lot of activity, but little progression, a lot of movement, but no growth. And being discontent with that, that we might then, as what was told to Israel, break camp and advance. Or as I termed it for us, as we look at this coming year, to repent and obey. And as we repent and obey, we would then go in, meaning to claim the promises of God and take possession, live in the abundance that's been promised to us in Christ. So this morning, I wanted to continue in Deuteronomy chapter 1, looking at that whole theme, looking at that whole idea of not only just entering into the abundance that has been promised, but how we then remain in that abundance. And there's a couple of things I want to look at today, which prayerfully wouldn't take too long, especially not as long as the last one. So if you allow me, I'll open a word of prayer. And if you turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 10 through to 18. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you so much for your faithfulness, for your goodness, and for the invitation for us as your children to come closer to you and to live in the abundance you've promised us. Please help us this morning as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, carrying on in Deuteronomy chapter 1, we're given an interesting account of Moses' trials as a leader of such a large nation. And there are these two lessons I want us to look at this morning as we look at, firstly, the somewhat realistic attitude when he's confronted by the trial, but also one of the means by which that trial can be overcome. One of the ways the problem is addressed, which is very applicable to us in our current situation. So if you read with me from Deuteronomy chapter 1, to start off with verses 10 and 11, we read this. 
and the Lord your God has increased your numbers so that today you are as numerous as the stars in the sky. May the Lord, your, the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised. Here's the first basic thought that came to mind as I read these verses. Things change. So, things change. In this case, it's the dynamic of the people entering into the promised land that changes the most. The generation that was delivered by the powerful hand of God from Egypt, who saw firsthand the parting of the Red Sea and the destruction of Pharaoh's army, who witnessed firsthand at Mount Sinai the, the cloud that surrounded the, the, the mountain peak and the thunder of God's voice that put fear into all those who heard. The imparting of the Ten Commandments to the people of God and, and all those people that had witnessed it, they, they had seen so much. They had seen and experienced the protection and the provision and the very power of God in so many ways. They Many people who literally saw all that went down was then told by God himself that they would not enter into the abundance, into the promised land that they had been promised by God because of their unbelief, because of their rejection of God's word, because of their lack of trust. Even though they were witness to everything God had done, they were going to miss out being on the very edge of that promise. They were going to miss out because they refused to believe, not refused, they chose not to believe God's word. And you read this and what happens, the consequences of that unbelief revealed in Numbers chapter 14. We read in verse 20, follow me if you've got this. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you, Moses, asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised an oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. Jump down to verse 29. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you 20 years old or more who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. So, in verse 10, we're told of this increasing number of Israel's population, a number that some gauge at about two and a half million people based upon men of fighting age within the Bible. For example, Numbers 3150, the total number of men of Israel was 601,730. That excludes women, children, foreigners, and the tribe of Levi because the Lord was to be their inheritance. So there have been numerous changes that have taken place in the Hebrew people. They go from being slave to free. They go from free to fugitive on the run. They go from being on the run 
to wandering. Then they go from wandering to now entering into or being charged to enter into the promised land. And each of these stages, there has been the changes of, of attitudes. There have been changes of loyalties. There have been changes of directions. There have been lessons learned, like in Israel's deliverance from Egypt in Exodus 13. There have been lessons that have been failed, like in Numbers 11 with the manna and then the quail and the people complaining over the food that was given. And then there have been lessons with brutal consequences. So if you look at Numbers Sorry, in Exodus 32, what happens and the consequences suffered from worshipping the golden calf. All while, things that change continually within the Hebrew people, the one constant, the one thing that remained the same was the very nature of God's person, who, as we're told in James 1.17, does not change like shifting shadows. For Psalm 102 verse 27 says, God remains the same and his years will never end. So, things change. That's a fact of life. Contexts change. Desires change. Responses change. Things change continually. And that's why you read in verse 11, because of such changes that happen, what? What Moses prays, what, what Moses requests in verse 11, he says, May the Lord, the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised. Which provides, if things always change, and if changes that are good, as well as not so good, that happen within the lives of God's people, it does give us something really interesting to consider. That the changes whether they might be liked or disliked, whether they may be agreed with or disagreed with, whether you might accept or reject them, whatever the changes that happen, fall under the mighty hand of God's sovereign authority. The mighty hand of God's sovereign authority, regardless of what the changes may be. Rulers, governing authorities, we read in Romans chapter 13 verse 1 at the end it says the authorities that exist have been established by God whether it's God's plans he says this whatever I please I do whatever I please I do in heaven and earth in the seas and all depths the authority that Jesus has we read in John 17 2 that I love my son and have given all things into his hand John 3.35, I've given my son authority over all flesh. You see, things changing is a fact of life. But our best preparation for such change, whether we expect it or not, whether we like it or not, all comes down to our relationship with him. It, it all comes down to that. It comes down to our relationship with him. It comes down with the, the knowledge we have of his will and our trust and reliance upon that will. That's the lens by which we have to view everything that takes place around us. That when things change, we view it through the lens of God's word, of God's spirit and God's will. We have to view it through that lens. It's, it's the only reason. It's the only reason why when you look at the saints of old, 
we can look at why Joseph could say confidently with everything that he had gone through in Genesis 50 verse 20, in hindsight, he could say, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Genesis 50 20. Or how Isaiah could clearly state, surely it was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. In your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You have put all my sins behind your back. That's Isaiah 38, verse 17. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, which we all know. It's why Jeremiah's bold proclamation of, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The only way when things change around us can be accepted or viewed in its right context is when it is viewed through the lens of God's will, of God's love, of God's word. It's the only way they could say it. It is why Charles Spurgeon, great quote by Charles Spurgeon, he says, So, surely as the stars are fashioned by his hands and their orbits fixed by him, so surely are our trials allotted to us. He has ordained their season and their place, their intensity and the effect they shall have upon us. If we could view the various issues that confront us, if we could view the various changes that challenge us continually, if we could hang such things upon the hook of our Lord's perspective, then we will be in good shape for interpreting our context and what goes on in our lives from a better perspective. Whether it be a pandemic that locks us down, whether it be an infection that keeps my daughter kept in her room, whether it be me sharing with you from my home, from a video recording, whether it be the changes of career, whether it might be a breaking down or building up of relationships, whether it might be a pursuit that we undertake or a failing that we have or a mistake that we make or a mistake that we learn from. Even in our own disobedience, God can take such things and use those things to draw us close, closer to him. And it goes from my position here as, as pastor too, that as a pastor, I am to assess the leading of Grace Christian Church from the Lord's perspective. And as I do so, what are one of the things that I discover? And this is one of the things that I think God has given us to be able to deal with things that are changing, that enables us to stay in the abundance He has promised us. And this is what I think is really cool. And it's that we all have a part to play. We all have a part to play. If you read in verses 13 through to 18, we see how God teaches Moses, not only through the context that he's in, well, actually, it's, it's Jethro, his father-in-law, that makes it known to him in Exodus 18 and, and recommends him that he should get other people to help him out. And with all the change that takes place for Moses, Moses also changes in turn in how to best care for and direct the people. In Deuteronomy chapter 1, read with me. I'm going to read from verses 13 to 15. Uh, 
choose some wise, understanding, and respected men from each of your tribes, and I will set them over you. You answered me what you propose to do is good. So I took the leading men of your tribes to have, uh, sorry, and appointed them to have authority over you as commanders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens as tribal officials. I jump down to verse 17, second half. Do not be afraid of anyone, for judgment belongs to God. Bring me any case too hard for you, and I will hear it. And at that time, I told you everything you were to do. Now, while there were specific leaders, you know, hundreds, fifties, tens, while there are specific leaders for specific groups, that's not the focus. This is the focus I want to take from this particular passage, okay? That we all play a part in building, discipling, encouraging, and creating a loving culture of grace, of mercy, of acceptance, of understanding within GCC. You see, the church is called the body of Christ for a reason. It's not called the finger, the hand, or the toe. It's not called it. It's called the body of Christ because that imagery speaks to the necessity of everybody's involvement for the body to function well. For the body to function the way it's supposed to function. You read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 to 31. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way, which is the way of love demonstrated in 1 Corinthians 13. We all have the opportunity, all of us have the opportunity to follow Jesus' command to love one another exactly the way he has loved us, John 13, 34. We all have the opportunity as living stones to build a spiritual house to offer up spiritual sacrifices. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. We all can pray for each other and confess our faults one to another in order for healing to take place. James 5.16. We all can comfort one another with the same comfort that we've received from God through Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1.14. We can all hold each other accountable as we involve ourselves in each other's lives and involve ourselves through prayer and, and through fasting, through fellowship and, and being on the front lines in the spiritual battle that we read about in Ephesians 6. We can all play a part in that. That's all. That's an opportunity made available to us because that's what God has given to us in the church, in each other for what purpose jump down with me to Ephesians chapter 4 I'm going to read verses 11 through to 14 we read so Christ himself once again he gave us these people these officers these ministries these opportunities gave the apostles the prophets the evangelists the pastors and the teachers for what purpose to equip his people for works of service 
so that the body of Christ may be built up. Why were those five opportunities for ministry, those five offices of ministry given? It was given so that the saints might be built up for works of service. We might be built up as the body of Christ. Okay, you got that? He's given us each other for the purpose of being built up in the body of Christ for works of service. Stop there for a sec. If the purpose is for works of service, what does that look like? That looks like us being involved in each other's lives. That looks like us making the phone calls. That looks like us writing the text messages of encouragement. That looks like us praying for one another. That looks like us serving one another. It looks like us being others focused the way the Lord was focused upon us and not himself. We have to be focused on each other and not ourselves. That's one of the purposes. And what's really crazy is this, that it goes not just from there, being built up. It is built up until, built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God to become mature, attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is why it is so good when, when, when brethren, when the saints, good and pleasant, when God's people live together in unity. That's why. We are built up for works of service so that we all might be united. That was his design, his intended design for his church. Then we read in verse 14, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. That means then we don't get caught up by the rubbish teaching that is being promoted nowadays. It's then that we're able to discern and we're not flipping and, and flopping on, on a mere whim because of how we feel or whatever it might be because we're in this together we hold each other accountable we involve ourselves with each other because many of us as christians today many of us as christians today are falling into the trap of viewing the church as a place for them the whole what do i get rather than what do i give but when I look at Jesus, when I see him, when I see him give his all so that I might receive life, love and, and liberty, freedom from sin. When I look at Jesus at his sacrifice and, and resurrection for me that is so undeserving. When I look at Jesus who has gifted me with forgiveness and redemption and renewal. Then I see the blessing that he has granted me and given me so that I in turn can be a blessing and give to you. But one of the ways by which we as the people of God can, can continue in the abundant life that he has promised us is done so as we do so together, done so in, in and through each other, done so that we can experience the fullness of God's love and the fullness of his, of his grace as manifest in my brother and my sister that is on the left of me and on the right of me. That's one of the ways that we do it. It's one of the ways that Israel could achieve it. And, and the only way they could achieve it, why? Because when they went into the battle to take the promised land, they did so together. That when somebody fell and fell on the wayside, the wayside when you read in Joshua, they all fell together, experienced the consequence together. They had the victories together, they had the failings together, but the fact that they were together meant they were brought out of it together as well as they changed their focus from themselves to the Lord. And that's what we need to look at. As we look at going into 2022, as we have been 
tired of living in our desolation, our Arabah, and encouraged to be and to do different this year, that together we do it. That together we make those steps in our own lives as individuals and see those steps manifest in the church as well. That we can be the positive influence of directing others within the body of Christ to Him. To be the blessing, to be involved, to be the encouragement. You see, this is why, as, as we view as we view things around us, as we look, this is why we can we can rejoice evermore. I mean, this is why we can give thanks for all things. This is why we can count it all joy when we fall into diverse trials, and, and why we can claim the truth of knowing that all things work together for good for those that love them because it is viewed through the lens of God's sovereignty that regardless of what things change he's in control that it's viewed together with one another that we all play our part for the building of his church for the promotion of his gospel for the extending of his kingdom that we do so together my prayer is that this year, for 2022, it wouldn't be just a year of, of us doing the same old, same old, but us being stirred from within our very depths by the Spirit of God. We will be a church that will break camp, that will advance, that will go in and take possession of the abundance promised to us in Jesus. Father, I pray that the word that's gone forth this morning will be even more than just words. I pray it's made some sense. I pray that there are hearts that have been touched, and hearts that are discontent with where we have been apathetic in our own spiritual lives. And rather, Lord, we'll be stirred to move forward, stirred to go forth and take possession of that which you have promised. Please help us to, to trust in your sovereign hand to rely upon the authority that you have to rest in the power that you have granted and, and Lord we will Father we will be doers of your word and not just hearers only please please change us Lord please stir within us a thirst for righteousness that can only be satisfied by you and help us to live a life that truly glorifies you as our King of kings and Lord of lords. We ask for you to dismiss us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.